If you read in Revelation, it says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus on a cross, and the word of our testimony. And so we're going to hear some testimonies today. Um, we got some, some people from the youth group, um, chaperones and students alike, that are going to share some testimonies about things that happened and, and, and stuff that happened on the mission trip um, that we just got back from a few weeks ago. We'll start with Megan and Rodney. That's right. Bring out the big guns first. So I'm Rodney. This is my lovely bride, Megan. Uh, they let the less eloquent go first in speaking as far as me. Um, so first service, I told them I'd been on two mission trips, but apparently I can't count. I was corrected. This is our third. Um, Every year, like I told them in the first service, every year I find myself ready to go on a mission trip until it's about a couple weeks out. And then um, Satan creeps into your mind and he doesn't want you to do good things. And so he makes you busy, um, grouchy at times, um, irritable. So the store would get busy, and I would feel bad for leaving David by himself. Um, then I would be begging Megan, can I just stay home? I don't, I don't, I don't want to go on this one. So she'd be like, nope, you can't go. You've done committed to Chris and Billy, and they can't find chaperones. And I'm like, gosh. So I guess I'll have to go. So we get on the bus. I'm ready to go. Once we're there, I'm good. So... The awesome thing about going on mission trips is you have no idea what a teenage youth can do. I did not know until I went the first time with Chris and Billy. Um, and just to let you know what awesome leaders you have here, not because I'm super good friends with both of them and Billy and I are Vikings, but um, they pour into your youth um, because they love them. It's nothing to do for recognition. Um, and I know I had youth ministers do that to me, but I was not willing to conform. I was uh, rowdy, I guess you could say. I wasn't disrespectful and mean, but I was a boy. I was into stuff I shouldn't be into. And, and um, if I had had the opportunities that this youth group gets to do, at my age and somebody point me in a direction and have me leave my hometown, I would probably be in, uh, well, I don't know. God used me in different ways. So, I mean, maybe I, maybe I would have changed. Maybe it would have been different. I don't know. I like to think I would have been different, but I wasn't. I gave my life to Christ at a later age. I was 32, 29, 32, somewhere in that neighborhood. But um, the point I'm trying to get to is getting teenagers out of everyday situations and putting them somewhere in western Kentucky, Denver, Jacksonville, Georgia, Pennsylvania, wherever they've been in the past, that shell cracks for them. Once they realize that they are able to do things through Christ, not on their own accord, but because... 
Jesus does the work through them, they're able to talk to strangers about Jesus. They're able to relate with each teenager on the trip that they're with. Everybody needs something different. And everybody gets just like reading the Word of God. It's different the second time you go around and read something. Maybe something new pops in your mind. God's trying to tell you something different. But um, to make a quick story, um, I was influenced mostly on this trip, not only by our teenagers, but um, watching them work is phenomenal. You just set them out on a task and they just do it. Megan then gave me a hard time because Chris took pictures of me every day. I was propped up beside a tree and they're like, are you going to do anything? I'm like, Chris told me to supervise, not to work. <laughs> so, um, see, I did well. I was obedient. Um, but you just tell them what to do and they'll go do it. Just make sure they don't cut their fingers off, arms, legs, throw something, hurt somebody else, we're good. Um, two people I was super really impressed by and I, I never got to... Um, God just drew me to them. I don't know why. I just sat back and watched. Was Jesse Baird and Lucas. I watched Lucas. Just We went to a senior citizen center, and he just this, this sheriff came out, and he just walked up to him and said, Hey, do you mind if we pray with you right now? So he and a couple other kids went over and prayed with him, and it was spectacular. Um, and Jesse Baird, um, I know a lot of you probably, and I had the misconception that oh, he is wild. So was I. But to watch him do the things that he done without complaining or questioning anything, and just to watch him interact with his peers was short of phenomenal. He did anything you wanted, didn't complain. He just went and done it. We told him to go pick trash up out of this yard and, and so they could mow grass. Anything that would hinder an, um, a lawnmower from tearing up blades or whatever, or slinging debris. He stood out there for hours in the sun. I'm like, Jesse, it's 110. Dude, go get something to drink. He would, I'd turn around, he'd be out there again. Jesse, go get something to drink. So he, he really, awesome kid. And to watch the final night, him walk up on that stage and, and um, proclaim a, a decision for Christ was awesome. Uh, just the way he worked in, in Jesse. But um, the other thing that I was, uh, my takeaway um, not only with all the great stuff there, was there was a counselor by the name of Hannah, a chaperone that worked with Team Effort. She had, um, just a quick story, she, she came from a broken home. Uh, parents were addicted. Uh, she woke him that, up in that every day of her life. Um, and she read this verse, and it's Philippians 3.8. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. So somebody shared Christ with her, and she was talking about counting costs. Heard that a million times. Both my grandfathers were pastors. It didn't resonate with me until she said that. I kept telling Megan, I said, I understand now what this counting cost is. So her counting cost was do I stay in this drug-addicted family and maybe not make it? Or do I go with this family that loves me and tells me about Jesus? How do I leave my blood to go here? Well, her cost was she counted the cost of leaving. It was to spend eternity with Christ. 
So she chose that other family. She still has ties to her blood-related family, and, and she's, she's dealing with that. But um, my point is the way that they pour into the youth here is having them count costs. Maybe you, you know, to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. Maybe it's your very best friend. You can tell them about Jesus, but until they decide to be a Christian, you may lose that friend for a month, a week, a couple years, who knows how long. But that's the cost of following Christ. It's not always easy. And that's the biggest impact I, I had taken away, is watching them grow and choose non-worldly things to invest in Christ and to share others. So I hope they do that whenever the school starts back and pour out into their community. And, and like I said, they're awesome. Thank you all for the opportunity to go. It was a blessing. Um, so we were asked this week um, by Chris and Billy, we were on vacation this past week, if, if we could prepare something to talk to you guys about. And um, there's, there was, there's so much that goes on in a period of seven days. It's really, to, it's really hard to, to talk to you about like one specific incident. But... Um, first of all, I want to say your kids are, you know, we look, we look at the TV, we look at the things that are happening in our community, we look at our schools, we look at shootings, we, um, and, and, you know, we, we think gloom and doom. Um, but our kids, especially our kids here, are our future. These kids are rock stars. That's nothing less. I mean, they are amazing. Um, just like, you know, Lucas walking up to, that wasn't prompted. We didn't ask him to do that. He just saw the sheriff coming on, you know, on property, and he approached him and said, hey, dude, thanks for your service. Can I pray for you? That's the kind of kids you, that you guys are raising. Um, and, and I'm just blessed to be a small part of, of that in our youth group. And Rodney and I have been super active with this youth group for several years. And like, like I said to the earlier service, we did go to Denver a couple of years ago, which was a very long bus trip, um, like 20,000 hours. Um, um, and so that was definitely life-changing for us. And I, I have done a lot of medical missions, a lot of international missions, but that one really changed me and changed my heart for good. As a mama, you mamas out there know how hard it is to leave your kids. I had two that went with us. Collier and Caroline got to go with us this year, but I had to leave two at home. And that in itself, you know, Rodney talked about it, about two weeks before we leave every year, he and I both start to feel that. It's the, the heavy weight of Satan oh, you don't want to leave your kids behind. You've got too much to do here at the house. You've got a business and a job, and, you know, what are you going to do? And, and it, it, it almost gets to the point where we're about ready to bow out. But then he leans on me, and I lean on him, and we're like, we're doing this. We committed. We're going. And, and it's this part of it, this, the, the last two weeks, and I'm not going to steal Cassie and Brennan's thunder because they're going to talk to you about that a little bit, but for the purpose and being able to see what, what our kids do the week that they're there is makes it worth it. Um, and so a couple of stories. One is you'll get to see a video later of, of some things. And um, I, I was, if you've never seen kids pray for each other, um, watch. There's something sincere and special about a kid's prayer, all right? Um, so we, we were in a gymnasium. We were doing some like bonding, team bonding kind of things one afternoon. And they don't normally pair up. Let's just pair up, pair up and get in twos. And so you see them all scrambling around. They're not really sure exactly what's going on, and they pair up in twos. And then he says, okay, 30 seconds, look at that person eyeball to eyeball. Do not move for 30 seconds. That's, they're like, that's strange. Okay, so they're standing looking at each other eye to eye for 30 in complete silence. 
And then he says, was it weird? Was it awkward? Yeah, it's very awkward. You're in their space, like, are you, you know, whatever. And then he says, pray for that person. I want you out loud, one of you, to pray for the other one. Man, the Holy Spirit came across. I mean, I'm, I have chills even talking about it. Just hearing the prayers of your children pray for each other is nothing like I've ever experienced in my life. And you'll get to see a picture. Um, second thing is, is we, we, we were kind of confused about what they wanted us to do the first day. We really wanted to go to Mayfield and see the tornado. I don't know if you guys remember, but um, Western Kentucky got ravished by a tornado in December. And we really wanted to go there and help that community. And so we got on our tour bus and we went to Mayfield. And they basically said, I mean, mind you, it was 120, degree, 120 degrees heat index that week. Um, it was super hot. And they basically said, hey, why don't you go door to door and ask people if they want you to help them. We were like, I mean, that, it's really hot. There's 55 of us. But God was working and he, was, he had already had a plan set in place. So we get back on the tour bus. We're kind of confused on what to do. So Steve, our bus driver, that was actually our bus driver last year that loves us so much that he was our bus driver again this year. Um, and you'll see a picture of him too. He takes us to Mayfield. We go into town and we pull over and we see a house and a gentleman working outside this house. And we're in a tour bus, right? So a big bus and, and there's a place to park and the kids are getting hungry. And we're not really sure exactly what we're supposed to be doing. But God knew. And he ordained for us to be at that, at that moment because of what happened in the next 24, 48 hours. So Chris gets off the bus, a couple of the other kids get off the bus with him, and there's a guy working on the house. And if you look, you'll get to see pictures, but there's nothing else on the block. Every other house on the block is completely to the foundation, except the one structure that we're, that we're working on. And Cassidy Slater and a couple of the other kids get off the bus, and they ask the guy that's working on the house, can we pray for you? And he's like, I guess. And they do. And then we get back on the bus, and Chris is like, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where God wants us. So we park our bus, and we all unload, 55 of us, and we're standing around this house, and the, the guy that's working on it is like, okay, now what? We're like, what do you want us to do? In four, two days, 48 hours, they completely demolished the house, like completely. Took all the bricks off of it, to the exterior walls down, carried every bit of it up, dumped it in a dumpster in two days. Those kids did more in two days than they would have been able to hire somebody in two months, maybe even longer than that. They got done, and they were like, okay, now what? We couldn't find other things for them to do. They did it so fast. So, parents, when you ask your kids to clean their room, <laughs> right, they'll do it. <laughs> you just press them, right? I've seen them do it. I've seen them pick up bricks that way more than they do. You know, so they'll do it. You just have to give them a purpose. Um, but, but honestly, it, it is. There's, I could tell you more stories and, and things that truly changed our lives. The worship services in the evenings, the special time. that We, we just had a People wanted to be with us. Um, after worship one night, it was very quiet, and we just kind of had our own worship service. And our, our praise band, if you've never heard our praise band, they're amazing. They started singing, and it's like people were coming around looking around like, where's that coming from? Like, who's singing that? Who's doing that? And it's like the Holy Spirit came into our service, and we had our own little worship time. Um, and so, you know, those kind of opportunities exist because of you guys and the way that you support us through prayer and financial and just, just being there for us and allowing us to do this. Um, we hope it's not our last. And um, we just, we are just blessed to be a small part of, of this community and this church. So thanks so much.
is Leslie Williams, Mama Leslie to the kids, and This one works better. Mama Leslie. <laughs> um, I've been part of this group since Maddie was in seventh grade. I also call this Snot Fest. The whole week of the Miss Daughter was in seventh grade. Mainly to check him out because, you know, you don't know who you're sending your kid to. And I liked it, and I thought, well, I'll go a couple more times. And I remember one particular Wednesday night, we all sat down in the floor, and you had to choose a partner. And my daughter didn't have a partner. And she had Billy come over, and they sat down. And they sit, crisscross applesauce on the floor, held hands, and they prayed. They prayed something that I as a mother should have been doing with her. I have been through all the mission trips with them since then. Um, when your kids go on these trips, it's hard. They're homesick the first two days. I'm homesick because I'm with all these kids. <laughs> but they're making friendship bracelets. And when they're making friendship bracelets, they're not just making friendship bracelets. It entwines with God because they're making it. And it starts out, well, you do this part, and you do this part, and then the next part, they're like, did you hear about this Bible verse? Did you hear about this? It's fun, but they're entwining it in God. When you're sitting there, and you're seeing these kids struggle, and as the week goes on, you slowly see them come out of their shell. You slowly see them want to be there. I had kids that I was dreading not dreading it was more or less I was worried about their well-being not I was not dreading your kids um but I did worry about them I worried about I was praying that they were going to get what they needed out of it the first couple of days I thought I'm going to smack you. And then at the end of the week, I thought, I can't love you enough because you had kids that went from being selfish to laying hands on others and praying with them. And that's something you can't, you can't just make it up. You can't, you have to feel it. You have to love it. You have to know it and want it. And you become, you leave as friends, you come back as families. Yeah, my baby's getting ready to leave for college. <laughs> She's not going to have this youth group. I need prayers that she finds this group somewhere else. I mean, she'll have it when she comes home. But you need to get your kids in youth. Okay, I don't care what age they are. Get them in youth. Get them in church. I wasn't in church. But it made me appreciate church more now that I'm older come with them to youth my daughter and I there's many a nights we set up and she goes over about what she's going to talk about and then we discuss and then it's our church time right there at home you this is not they're not your future they're your now 
and they're doing things that is going to carry on. So support your kids. If they don't want to get up, push them a little. If they want you to go, go. Because you're doing it for them. You're doing it for the glory of God. And just know, our whole goal is to get everybody to heaven. And if you're not, then you're going to sit there and wonder, did I make it? Did my babies make it? So just know these mission trips aren't just fun. They are teaching them about God. They are teaching them about love and how to open up and just share because there's so many things you want to say, but you're afraid to say. Like me being up here, I don't want to be up here. <laughs> but I feel like if I don't speak out, then you all need to know your babies need you. So take your kids to youth. Come with them. Chris and Billy love to see new moms and dads. You don't have to do anything but just smack your kid on the back of the head to wake them up sometimes. But no, thank you for sending your kids. Thank you for supporting us, and I love y'all. Oh, okay. Uh, before I get started, it's just, um, you see Megan and Rodney and Leslie up here, and that's just what it's all about, you know, it, it, it touched me. Mission trip 2022 was indescribable. Going into it, I prayed that the Spirit of God would move like I've never seen it before, and oh, how it did. I'm going to talk about two things today. First, I'm going to talk about the work we did. I was in a group with a task to build a shed behind the campgrounds that would be used for tools and wheelbarrows at the team effort, you know, mission site. It started out pretty well. We hammered nails and dug dirt mostly. We were making progress until a problem occurred. We only had one shed, but about five different ideas on how to build it. <laughs> so needless to say, it got a little bit chaotic and stressful. I didn't see how we could get that shed built. But through the day, something surprisingly happened. We got past our problems and worked together to make progress. The moral of the story is the shed I couldn't foresee soon became a reality. God works the same way. God takes the seemingly impossible and makes it possible, just like he takes dead things and brings them back to life. I talked to a friend that went on the trip with me, and they said that the most important thing they learned on this trip is that they couldn't live their life alone. They needed God. I had to find where I was. That's also the greatest thing I learned. When we look at things in our own perspective, we often get discouraged, confused, and lost. I gotta do something. I keep trying to lose my where I am. When we have God's perspective, nothing is impossible. We cannot rely on our finite vision like I did. We must rely on His infinite vision if we want to see an outcome. The second thing I'm going to talk about is why we worked. 
There's just something different about working for Jesus. You see, when we work for Jesus, we're not just hammering nails. We're bringing news. And it's not just regular news we see on television every day. It's good news. It's news that God loves you. He's interested in a relationship with you. You are important to God. This good news of the cross is very real. And it is very relevant in every stage of life. You see, when we came back that Saturday after a pretty long bus trip, the trip didn't end. It just set a new launch point for us to take what we learned in Western Kentucky and proclaim it everywhere we go. We must proclaim the gospel message to that person in Mayfield who just lost everything and doesn't know where to start next. Proclaim to that boxer down at the boxing gym that's just trying to make ends meet. Proclaim to that kid at a baseball field who's just now learning right from wrong. Proclaim to that classmate, that co-worker, that person across the street or across your family table. We must proclaim the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. There were 54 people on this trip. 54 teenagers, that I may add. And each of us proclaimed the gospel in our own way. On this trip, we proclaimed through word of mouth, through the way we conducted ourselves, and through building a shed. We were willing to do whatever we were asked, whether it be painting a gazebo, picking up bricks. In 2 Timothy 2.10, the Apostle Paul wrote, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ. Our prayer is that God uses this mission trip to spark a new fire in each of our souls to endure anything to reach this community with the gospel and let his voice be heard. And we pray also that God will use this youth, this youth group and this congregation to bring people out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you and God bless. Hello? All right. <laughs> Had to give it a mic check. Um, I want to talk about just how the week hits you. It's an amazing week. You give up every earthly problem you had. Like, you no longer worry about what's happening at home or what's going on in your life, and you instead just focus on the heavenly treasure that you nah, achieved that week. And uh, I think that we didn't mention in this service, and I'm going to mention now, is uh, there was a guy down there, and he was a really nice guy. And uh, we met him. If you talk to this guy for five minutes, you realize he had a heart of gold. And his name was Nicholas. I don't know if we have a picture of him or anything, but he was one of the nicest people you could ever meet. He, he just, uh, like, words cannot describe how nice this man was. And... Uh, <sighs> We, we would have chapel, and chapel brought this energy that no Sunday service here can just bring. I can't explain it. You just had to be there. Words can't describe any of this experience. And then you, you get there, and you think it's going to be a bad week, you know? The beds are about yay thick, uh, and it's all on wood, and everybody smelt bad. We didn't shower for the first day. So... <laughs> Nobody showered the first day. Oh, that's your problem. <laughs> and then when you did shower, there was cold water. Uh, it was a struggle. 
So, like, you just, but nobody cared. And every, like, that week, nobody cared about how you smelt, how your hair looked, how, all that. Everybody just, they focused on, like, I've said it before that if you got the whole youth group, you would, ne- like, other than church, you couldn't get us all in a room. We're people who come from different schools, backgrounds, clubs, activities. There's not a thing that could unite us other than God himself and how much we love him. And there's no experience that can, like, there's no experience in my life like that mission trip. And it was just amazing. That Thursday at a chapel, we went, we gathered around a fire and we got a tag a tag about, it was a little tag about yay big, and that tag represented your, I guess, your sin that you struggle with, whether it's, you know, your pride or your desire or, I don't know, your depression, whatever it could be, and at the end of it, like, at the end of talking, you walked up to the cross, and you stood there, and there was a, you could choose to lay it down and put it in there, basically resembling that you're moving on from that. You're going, like you're done. You are, you have beat it. It has no power over you. Or you keep it and you work on it and you beat down at it and you just continue to become better. And I laid my secret sin down. That's what I'll call it. Thank you so much. I'm Maddie Williams. I'm Mama Liz's daughter. I also did not get the memo today. Uh, I was going to go home and change, but it's better to stay and talk to these people. I like them pretty well. So, um, I've been with this youth group for about six years now, and it has been an absolute honor. I mean, I love this group. And whenever you meet this group, it's easy to tell that there's not another group like them, no matter where you go. And before we left on the mission trip, they told you that they were going to post so many photos on Facebook that it's going to feel like you were there. And there was a lot of photos on Facebook. My mom took all of them. Uh, but even with all the photos, you don't get the full experience. Because, yes, you do get to see us work as we take the siding off a house or as we go and build a shed or as we go and work at a retirement home. And you get to see us laugh as we make friendship bracelets and we play games like Duck, Duck, Goose or Screaming Toes. And you get to watch us sing songs like Why You Can't Go to Heaven in a Red Canoe or Why You Can't Go to Heaven in Chris's Hair. It's because he ain't got none to share. (laughs) But what you don't get to see is when we don't focus on the world anymore and we start to focus on Jesus. And no photo or video or anything can describe that. Because whenever you go on one of these mission trips, you get to see God. And whenever you start to look for him, because that's what you're looking for in a mission trip. When you go on one of these trips, you're looking for him the whole time. In your life, you're not looking for him the whole time. But whenever you do, you start to see things you're praying for. Like there's people I've been praying for, and I got to see God change them. I got to see them turn to God and love God and find out who he is to them. And I got to see people grow in their faith. 
People become leaders. People that I knew were going to be a leader one day. I got to see them change. I got to see them take people to the cross. I got to see them pray with other people. We've talked about that a lot. But whenever you stop and you get to see somebody praying for somebody else, you get to see God working in their lives. And so we got to pray with Chris and Billy. We got to pray with strangers. And we got to pray with each other. And the seniors got to pray for the upcoming leaders. And that's something different. A lot of groups, they go on these mission trips and they don't stop and they don't pray with people. And they say faith without works is dead, but if you don't have the faith in the first part, you're not doing anything. So whenever you go and you start praying with people, it makes your group different. Because whenever we're a group together, even though we're the largest group, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we're different. Because when we worship, we sway together. When we do devotionals, we stop and we're open and we're honest with each other. And we discover that everybody's broken, everybody's hurt, everybody's got their own problem. But we also discover that we all need Jesus. And we're all looking for that one thing, that one thing that's going to fix us. And we grow closer to God through this. And whenever you see people struggling, you stop and you pray. You don't say, oh, I'll pray for you later. Oh, I'll do that. You stop and you step into it and you pray. And that's something you don't see with other groups. I mean, there was, what, five other groups there? And none of the other ones had the same experience as us. Because Chris and Billy stopped to take the time to pour into us. They saw what we needed, what we needed to do. And that makes our group different. So I said no photos, no videos, no words, no nothing can describe that trip. But these moments, they live vividly in my mind all the time. All the time. I mean, I can see the first mission trip I went on when I closed my eyes. And so with this, I mean, there's moments that I get to cherish forever. I mean, whenever our praise band went up and sang the song So I Could Live, which we wrote on the cross here, the songs never sounded better. I mean, the love that went behind it and recognizing that we're all in the same place. It's never sounded better because we all needed God in that moment. We all realized that he's the one thing we need. And so I get to see that moment every month, every day in my mind. And this youth group has changed me because of these moments. And I love them forever and always. So if you're not involved, be active. Do it. I promise you it's the best thing you'll ever do. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for them. And my mom kind of stole my saying earlier. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Whenever we go down on this trip, we're friends, but when we come back, we're family. It's because we take the time to become a family. And we take the time to step out and find who God is to us. And that's the most important thing you can ever do. Thank you all. So uh, this was mine and Cassie's first mission trip. And uh, leading up to it, I had no idea what to expect. So um, I kept asking people who'd been on these previously, uh, what are some things I need to know? What, what can I expect? And their answer was always the same. It's just something you have to experience. Um, so the week before, I just 
try to prepare myself mentally for it, um, knowing I was going to be out of the gym for a week, um, the food, the bathroom and sleeping awkwardness, um, all of which we did have to deal with daily. Uh, but by the end of the week, uh, all, the, all these things that I thought were going to be negatives and take away from the trip just ended up being part of the experience and something we didn't even think about. Um, the trip in general overview, uh, we started out as a whole the first couple days doing work for the uh, tornado victim, um, tearing down their house uh, to speed up construction work. And the last two days we split up uh, into separate groups. And uh, Andrew mentioned earlier about the, the group with the shed. That was, that was the group that, that I was the leader in. And um, I would need a whole church service to talk about the building that shed because none of us knew what we were doing, but we all wanted to act like we did. So that led to some great stories. And uh, all I know is that there are enough nails and concrete in that shed that I don't think it's going anywhere. So um, Friday, we finished off the trip at the water park. And that was just great because it brought out the kid in me that I didn't know existed anymore. And uh, there, there are three as aspects of the trip in particular I wanted to talk about. Uh, the kids, the leaders, and my experience. Um, just the, the kids are just amazing. I, that's the only way um, I can describe it. Seeing all these kids with different backgrounds from different schools come together, uh, it's really special. And they, another way to just, something else I need to say about the kids is that they're just influencers. Um, seeing how they interact with each other and carry themselves in situations that put them out of their comfort zone, it, it made me want to be better for them. Um, I would wake up every morning and say, what, what can I do for these kids today to be an example for them because they set the bar so high for, for all of us. Um, and when young adults are making you look at the mirror at yourself and ask you what you can do better, uh, you know it's a, a sign of great things to come with the upcoming youth. Uh, second, they don't take credit or want recognition for all they do, uh, but it can't go without saying how special Chris and Billy are. I couldn't do what they do. The planning that had to go into this trip, along with the moments that, that weren't planned, like uh, stopping on the side of the road and Chris running across the road at a red light to pre-order lemonade for everybody, taking us to an ice cream shop, um, just the moments of spontaneity. Uh, that, that's just a couple of the things that define their leadership. Um, I, also, uh, something that stood out to me was something Billy said. Uh, I don't even know if she knew I heard her say it, but one of the kids said, thanked her for all she does. and. Uh, her response was uh, just give, give all the thanks to God. And that, that's just a sentiment. If, if you could define their leadership in one sentence, it would be that. They, they don't take credit for anything. But um, it can't go without saying that a lot of these kids and adults, including me and Cassie, wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you all. Um, part four, uh, my experience. The last part I want to talk about. Uh, I wouldn't trade this experience for anything, any amount of money, uh, any vacation somebody would offer me, I wouldn't trade it. 
Uh, I laughed and cried harder than I ever have on this trip, and I, and I discovered that there were no truer words ever spoken to me than when those um, people would say, it's just something you have to experience. Um, the past two weeks, I've, I've even found myself missing with Center, Kentucky. The cold showers, uh, the work in a hundred plus degree temps, um, and even at eight o'clock every night, I, I still think, like, gosh, we should be in chapel right now. It's just, you know, stuff you don't forget. Um, and I've heard Chris and Jared both talk about the feeling of being able to reach out and touch faith. And I, I never knew what that felt like until those last two nights um, at the mission trip. And uh, that's a feeling I don't ever want to forget. And it was truly an experience that I look forward to doing again. Um. I'm not going to cry this time. I'm going to try really hard not to. Okay, maybe I just lied. Um, I want to say, I said it in the first service, but I have to say it again because us standing here together, that's just a miracle. That's a miracle from above. And I, some of you know us, some of you don't. But I do just want to say that, first of all, if you told us a year ago or four years ago that we'd be standing up here in church sharing about an experience that we had with a youth group where God changed our lives. We, we would have laughed at you. We would have told you, no, that's not going to happen because this is very, this is, all of this is very uncomfortable for both of us. We kind of like to stay in the back. Um, but I'm really thankful and grateful that I get to stand up here with my husband today because of grace and because of forgiveness. So first of all, I just have to thank Jesus for forgiving us these opportunities. That's number one. Um, the trip, like everybody else, it was a life-changing experience for all of us, and it's something that you just cannot put into words. It's a feeling. It's, it's straight. It's from the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, there's a few things that I'd like to talk about. Um, number one, I know they've all talked about it, but the kids, <laughs> just our youth group, our kids give us hope for the future. I've seen these kids pray with strangers, pray for each other, share the gospel with people in a very vulnerable way, knock on doors in a place that I'm telling you, it, it's like I said earlier, it wasn't Hollywood. <laughs> it was these people struggle. The places where we were, they, they definitely struggle. And, that, and just the kids being open to sharing that, that's just a life-changing thing. And it really, really humbles you. And I'm really, I'm proud of them. Um, also, these trips, you grow so much as a family in about 24 hours. Brendan and I have been involved in the youth group for three whole weeks. <laughs> so we, we truly, this is like brand new experience for us. Um, we got on the bus knowing about seven people probably that we were going on the trip with. And then by the time that we came back, they all literally feel like family. In about 24 hours, you just, you become so connected with him. And I think that's so important because I think God wants us to have a community of believers that hold us accountable, that we can share our faith with. Um, and I'm telling you, like I said earlier, when the spirit of the Lord is in the place, there's just this joy that you really can't describe. So the family aspect of it was just really, really cool. Um, and lastly, I want to talk about how God 
takes the same experiences, the same events, the same place, but he speaks to people very differently. He speaks to whatever it is that he's wanting them to know. Um, we set out on this mission trip to hopefully share the gospel with others and, and these kids so that they could share with the community and show a community his unconditional love, not caring who they were or their backgrounds, just literally knocking on their doors and saying, do you need, do you need help um, because of the tornado? Some of these people six months later still had debris in their yard. Um, so our group, one of our groups, I was in a group the first day, um, we just walked around the community and we would knock on doors and we would ask if they needed any assistance and so that we could give their contact information to, to a church community that could help them. And we knocked on this man's door and um, this house was not, again, what you would consider to be a house that was even well built. This person looked like they probably struggled in every aspect of their life. And our kids prayed with him, and he was so grateful and thankful for this opportunity, grateful for them to share. And he did actually need help. He had a dumpster out front that need, he needed to be, that needed cleared off. Um, but one of our, our kids asked if they could pray with him, which is also humbling. They pray all the time for everybody, which is amazing. And at the end of her prayer, he asked if he could pray for us. And... When he started praying, this man who has very, very little, who struggles, the words that came out of his mouth were, God, if you never do another thing for me, you've done enough. And it was just the Holy Spirit just moved me. And in this place where we're missioning the people and we're supposed to be the ones who are influencing them, he uses that to speak to us and tell us what we need. Because... I, like I told the first group a week before, I was whining because I really wanted these cushy lounge chairs by my deck, and I was like, oh, I can't afford them. And then this stranger who has nothing says, God, you are enough. Your salvation is enough. And it's just a reminder of why we're here and that that's true. If he does, not anything, if he does nothing else for us in this life, his salvation was enough. So just the overall experience, becoming a family with these people that I really had never talked to before and now they're truly our family. These kids that I, I desperately ask them to come visit me every single day because I love them so very much. Um, it's just a God thing. And listen, if you're, maybe you're like us, we would rather just kind of come sit in the pew and then leave and talk to people a little bit and just worship behind closed doors because we're not comfortable with any of these things. But when you step out, I think that's, it's really kind of cool how God uses people who are so uncomfortable to move and, and to speak his word and to share his truth. So if, you're, if you are one of those people, this could be you next year. If, you've never, if this is your first time here, this could be you. So we just encourage you and we thank you and we love you. Hey y'all, my name's Abby, and on mission trips we always talk about bringing home what we've been impacted by, and we also talk about how if we do everything else for someone and we don't give them Jesus, then we've failed them. 
And this past week, I was in Indiana for a band camp, and it was a very different environment than being on a mission trip. I was in the minority because of my faith. So I met a girl, and we sat together at lunch every day, and her name was Kenzie. And we talked about life in general for a few minutes, and I just felt like I needed to ask her, like, I guess it was just the Holy Spirit, but I was like, so do you go to church or youth group anywhere? And she was like, no, I don't really attend church anywhere, and I don't have anyone to tell me about religion, so I always tell people I don't know what I believe. And I said, well, I don't really want to tell you about religion. I want to tell you about Jesus. So I told her um, about the gospel and just how Jesus had impacted me, and then I gave her a Gideon's Bible. And on the mission trip, a Gideon had given that to me. And I have a Bible, so I didn't have a need for that Bible, but I knew someone could. And I gave her my number so we could follow up on our conversations. And, you know, I think sometimes we take for granted um, people pouring into us because we have a church family, and I have four great people that pour into me all the time. But she had no one. And it just broke my heart that no one had ever told her anything about Jesus. Um, and, you know, when you hear this, you think I impacted her, but I really didn't. She impacted me. Because from now on, I'm going to be more intentional about my conversations and what I say to people. This is amazing, right? Um, just really quick, Hannah, that Rodney talked about earlier, who was a counselor for Team Effort, she was in a really bad car accident yesterday. Um, so if you guys could just keep her in your prayers. And just a real quick story about her. Earlier this week, she texted me and said, could you send me a video of the youth group singing? And so I texted back to her, and she said, if I had grown up with friends like this, my life would be different. Love people. That's what the world is missing. That's what our communities are missing. We have to be better at loving people. This group of kids, what makes them so awesome is they just love each other. They don't care where the other one goes to school, what kind of home life they come from. They just love each other. And so we, we as adults can learn a lot from that from them. And they're right. We could tell a billion stories about what happened from somebody asking if I knew who Jimmy Rogers was. Um, and so I got to share, it's a Gideon, and he's like, oh, you're from Pipewell. Do you know who Jimmy Rogers was? And I'm like, let me tell you a story about him. His family owns the building that our church is in. And so I got to tell some stories. And so the ripple effect of the gospel impact that's happening here is felt where we don't even know, where we've never even been. And these kids are carrying that torch high. They're carrying that banner high. And, and you've heard, have you heard a common theme? Pray. They just keep praying. They keep asking God, show me something new. Reveal yourself to me. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Listen, you take that mean kids, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh at them. You're going to laugh with them. You're always going to be looking over your shoulder. But the spiritual impact that happens in these kind of situations are felt for generations. 
we got a short video. You're going to get to see some of the laughing, some of the fun. You're going to get to see some of the worship. You're going to watch them pray together for just a second. Um, you're you're going to get to see a lot of those things. Some of the devastation. Um, take a look. My favorite part of the mission trip so far has just <laughs> <laughs> That's a top three moment. <laughs>
So the house we were standing in with the walls gone, and the homeowner, she said, my whole life I'd brought my own chaos on myself. But since this storm, I've seen nothing but Jesus. And she's like, why are you even here? And I said, because God has showed us this place. And so no. I mean, you hear doom and gloom about a generation who is, who, is, who is worthless. You know, all they do is on their phone, right? You didn't see a phone in a picture. Because they, they, they just turned it over. I see hope. I know that because of these kids, our world will be different. We've already been into two meetings for next summer's mission trip. It's shaping up going to be great. Um, so today is the launch pad for that. I ask you to start praying because God is on the move. Pray with me if you will. Father, we are thankful for all that you've done in us and through us. I pray, Father, that this gospel message just rings so loud that that's all people hear. I pray, Father, for this place that today be the launch pad of, of something special. Um, not just here, but in our community, in our homes, in our, uh, in our world, just in our sporting events, just wherever we may be, Father. Um, but most importantly, I, play, I pray that with inside of us, that something new comes alive. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.